This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You really need to define what risks you want to monitor. Then after that, you need to start thinking through what is the data that would inform me about this risk? Where would that actually come from? How would I capture it? And then after that, what sort of algorithms would I use to analyze it? In this episode of Compliance in the Weeds, Tom and Matt take a deep dive into how you should start a conversation around values. We expanded into having conversations around compliance and ethics and how having a framework in place for middle managers can give them a way to start a conversation and also some inexpensive ways to bring these topics to your employee base anytime you have a, have a meeting. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. First, quick message from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Matt Kelly for the award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds. Matt, welcome back. Hello, Tom. Good to be here. Matt, you had the occasion to be on a webinar last week around data analytics and wrote a blog post on it. So it seemed like a good way to talk about some of the challenges that you're hearing out from our compliance brethren about it. Uh, Could you uh, set us up with the webinar? Yeah, sure. So this was one of those Ethicsverse webinars that happen every Thursday with Ethico that uh, I moderate those uh, every other week or so. And we gathered a couple of people to talk about the challenges around data analytics and how compliance officers can build a good data analytics program, as in what are you actually trying to analyze? Where is this data coming from? How would you actually analyze it? And what are the sort of things you would need to do? Where do you get the tech? Where do you get the people? Where do you get the ideas for what it is that you want to do? And it was a great discussion. But given how important data analytics is to compliance officers, I certainly think there's a lot to talk about here. So one of the things you spent a lot of ink on was there's nothing in the FCPA resource guide, first or second edition, the original evaluation of corporate compliance programs, the corporate enforcement policy, and almost anything else from the Department of Justice about data analytics. Do you find that anomalous because they talk about it so much? I find it surprising. I don't know if anomalous is the right word, but you're right that we all talk about data analytics. We all say it's important. We go hear a Justice Department official at some conference. He or she will talk about how important data analytics is, how they use data analytics. And of course, if they in the public sector can afford to do it, then certainly we in the private sector must be able to do it because government has no money. And if they can do it, we must be able to do it. So we talk about this all the time. And yet, when I actually went back to the documents to see what do they say about data analytics, they don't say anything about data analytics. The word analytics does not appear in any of these texts. So it is really quite interesting that we talk about how important it is, but there aren't too many guidelines on what it is you should do. 
I do think that's important because then it kind of kicks it back to the compliance officer to how do you actually build a good use case to go to your senior management, your CFO or your board or somebody else to say, this is what we want to do. This is how we'll do it. This is the money I'm going to need to invest in this technology. Like you really need to have that knocked down very solidly. It's not like, say, going and asking for more money for third-party due diligence. That is mentioned extensively in all sorts of guidance. So you can easily say, here's where it is. We have to buy this thing to solve this problem that's mentioned right here. We don't have any of that. So you need to be, I think, maybe more on your game with devising a good business case for data analytics. It's easy to think it's important in the abstract, but how are you actually going to do it? That's the part that compliance officers need to think through. Was there any discussion about whether the data analytics program should look at a variety of other topics in addition to simply anti-corruption compliance? So for instance, fraud or PCARD fraud or gift travel entertainment fraud or something else where you're going to be looking at kind of raw numbers of spend to hopefully garner some monies back for the corporation in that direction? We didn't specifically talk in that level of detail about all the other business use cases, but I think that's all swept up into what we mean when we say data analytics. We're really looking for outlier transactions. We're looking for anomalous events of some kind. We're also looking for trend analysis to see if big, huge swaths of transactions are moving in a certain direction that might be troublesome. But you can certainly find a numerous use cases that the analytics capability is there. The technology these days to do this is really quite impressive. But it gets back to what we had just mentioned then. If the technology will really allow you to do anything at all, then the question becomes, you, do you know what you want it to do? And sometimes that can be a difficult question for corporations to answer. And that's that was one big lesson from this webinar is you have to start there thinking through what is it that we actually want to do with all this data analytics that we're supposed to be doing. The discussion seemed to move towards the nuts and bolts of building it out. And I guess what struck me was almost it was mini lesson in the nuts and bolts of building out a compliance program, for instance, starting with a risk assessment, assessing your risk, and then figuring out how you could manage or monitor those risks using a data analytics program, as opposed to a more comprehensive compliance program. How did you find that part of the discussion? Well, you know, it all makes sense at a theoretical level. And so the speakers were talking a lot about, you really need to define what risks you want to monitor. Then after that, you need to start thinking through, well, what is the data that would inform me about this risk? Where would that actually come from? How would I capture it? And then after that, what sort of algorithms would I use to analyze it and determine that the transactions are, like I said, you know, you can fall into two big camps. Is this transaction an outlier that needs a special investigation? Or are all transactions moving in a direction that eventually could become troublesome? You need to know both things. You need to be able to see the, the small individual transaction, that's an outlier, and the large, all transactions moving in a trend. But still, it's more about what is my actual risk. And I do think an important point here is that after you define the risks, and you know, let's say that's fairly straightforward, you know if you're a compliance officer that you're worried a lot about, say, third-party risks, or you're worried about 
reseller agents acting on your behalf in high-risk markets. It's more about thinking innovatively to be able to capture good data as easily as possible about that risk. And I'll give you an example of what I mean. It came from Mara Sen at GE Healthcare, who was a wonderful guest speaker on this webinar. But she was talking about how uh, you're obviously going to be worried about agents and high-risk agents. And therefore, you could either try and chase down every single agent that you can find, or you could think through, well, agents are paid on commission. So if we just look at accounts payable and say, we want every transaction that we paid somebody a commission, well, by definition, if they're working on commission, they must be an agent and therefore they're high risk. And now we have them and we can analyze them. So you're getting to the same goal. We want to know about high risk agents, but you have approached it in a different direction. We're not looking to define them at the front end. We're looking to identify them and capture them at the back end when they get paid because they get paid on commission. Uh, and you need to think through in, you know, like I said, those more creative ways about what is the data we do have that would inform us about the risks we're worried about. Sometimes there are ways to get that data that aren't necessarily obvious right away, but once you do think of them, it could be an easier way to capture that data. You just need to you know, keep on thinking it through. The Let me just note that in 2006, when I had my first FCPA assignment at Halliburton, it was to review agent contracts. And the way they determined someone was an agent was if they received a discretionary payment or commissions. So worked 15 years ago. It sounds like it still works today. Indeed. A couple of years ago, and I apologize, I can't remember if we did a podcast on this, but I know you did a blog on it. There was a discussion around data analytics that you were either a part of or attended, and the question seemed to relate to what does the data mean from compliance officers? Did you sense those types of questions in this webinar, or were we past that to really how do we do it? I was more interested going into this webinar on the how do you actually do it? You know, what's the check that you would use, not any particular vendor, but more like what are the capabilities you would want to have? I was particularly interested in things like how do you capture data that might not be generated under your current processes? And what if you have to change your process to, to spit out a piece of data that you want to capture? But what really struck me was more that the speakers and the attendees were saying, no, no, this is really about defining what it is that you're worried about and the metrics that would give you some insight into that risk and having a good relationship with, number one, the IT department, and number two, the business units that would you know, be generating this data. And I kept on waiting for somebody to say, and the tech for this is really hard. And actually, nobody brought that up. It's more about the business relationships and thinking through your risk assessment and the sort of data that you want to capture. But it also defaults back to what I mentioned a few minutes ago that you know these days, the tech is good enough that the tech's going to do whatever you want. You actually just need to know what it is you want to do. And that gets more to relationships the importance of getting this data. A lot of people might not want to deal with the compliance department if they show up saying, hey, IT department, can you do this for me? Or, hey, sales team, can we rejigger the onboarding process to generate this amount of data or this new type of data? Uh, and if they're not interested in engaging with compliance, then it's going to be hard no matter what tech you have. But again, that gets back to 
the sentencing guidelines or the the evaluation guidelines from the Justice Department where they talk about does compliance have the right access to the data. They never mention analytics. They don't mention the types of data. They just say, does compliance have access to the data it needs? It's all about the control environment. It's all about the support from senior managers so that when compliance talks with IT or talks with the first line of defense to say, we need to do this to get the data, they say, sure, we'll cooperate with you. And that's where so much of that conversation on the webinar was. It wasn't really on why are we doing this? It wasn't really on how's the tech going to work? That all just was kind of will take care of itself, so to speak. So there's a couple of things in there. The part you cited from the evaluation came from the 2020 update, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs where the DOJ specifically said compliance had to have visibility across data silos. But let me go back to the relationships because you also, I thought you had a really prescient point in your blog post about compliance having good relationships for another reason, which was to draw on the expertise of these other business disciplines and business units, whether it be IT to help set up some sort of program or oversee some component of installing it, but equally importantly, from the business unit, perhaps a project manager, perhaps a data analyst, perhaps a business operations specialist who could tell the compliance folks, this is the data we have, this is data that's significant, and you need to look at a broad, not only a broader variety of data, but here's how you would look at it. So I thought that part of your blog post was really interesting demonstrating why, number one, you don't have to go outside the corporation to get a lot of this expertise, particularly in business processes, but two, having those relationships will lead to a bounty of potential assistance, help, and benefits back to compliance as well. Well, I think that's true on a couple of levels. And it gets back to another thing that I've heard of and thought of and said a lot myself is that for most of the data you want for good compliance analytics, like the data's out there in your enterprise. You just need to understand that it's there and be able to pull it out. For example, I think this is a really good use case here would be around ESG disclosures. Uh, everybody worried about how are we going to report our carbon emissions in a 10K if the Securities and Exchange Commission ever gets around to requiring that. Well, for large companies, you already disclose that data. You file it with the Environmental Protection Administration every year. You file your greenhouse gas emissions. If you are worried about disclosing data related to race and gender, in your workforce and at management levels, large companies already report that. They report it on the EEO1 form to the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission every year. So if you're looking for data, a lot of times the data is already being reported to some other agency, perhaps from some other business function that you don't talk with that often. I know compliance talks with HR a lot. Maybe they'll find the EEO1 form. They might not talk all that often with environmental health and safety, but those are the ones filing that EPA form with greenhouse gas emissions. So there's that. But also you can use them for a wealth of knowledge about here's what else I'm trying to get at. How would you solve this problem, you there in the first line of defense, if you had to get to this? And they might come up with all sorts of ways to think this through. You know, the the problem with high-risk agents and how would you actually track them down? Well, you could either sift through every single contract or you could ask accounts payable, 
who gets a commission payment? And those are our agents, and now we've reverse engineered how to find them. But all of it depends on people being willing to work with compliance. They are willing to spend their time with They may or may not be able to give you exactly the data you want, or they might give you the data, but it's not in the format that you were expecting, or it's not in a report that you necessarily would have been planning to use. Then it does become a tech problem of, can we take the data from this form or from this silo? Can we extract it? Can we transform it? And then can we load it into some other compliance effort to do analytics? And that's actually a term engineers use, ETL, extract, transfer, and load. You pull the data out from somewhere, you change it into a usable format, you load it into another program to do whatever it is you're going to do. Software coders do ETL stuff all the time. Compliance officers need to use that same sort of a concept for all the compliance data that you want. And usually that data is out there somewhere. You just have to find it and give it the spit and polish to run it through your analytics program. You wrote about the intersection of data analytics and policy management. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I love this. Somebody who had said, I think it was Wendy Badger from Tenant Co. I hope that was her because I'm going to give her credit for it. But Wendy had said that when you find one or two examples of a policy violation, the problem is the employee. When you find 100 examples of the policy violation, the problem is the policy. And that is something else that analytics can bring out to your your compliance efforts. You can use analytics to guide your policies. If you find that you are getting repeated requests for policy exceptions, you're getting repeated violations in one particular business function or one geography unit, either they're disregarding the policy and they need more training, or they can't do the job under your current policy. And in that case, it may very well be the problem is you and your policy is not reflective of reality, and you need to go and you need to change it. But any big policy change you want to make, you really should have the data to back that up. So data analytics capability is sort of the foundation for good policy management, good policy updating, and good policy changes. It's also very crucial to good internal investigations because, like we said, if it's only one or two outliers, problem is probably that outliers. If the problem is 60 out of 100 transactions, problem is probably your policy is something's hinky about it. So you need to be able to see transactions and issues at the small scale, and you need to see them all at the large scale and be able to detect big trends. But if you can't do any of that, your policy updates, your policy management, you're just kind of shooting in the dark to see what might stick, and Lord knows where you're going to wind up. I also like the way you ended the blog post because, as I read it, you essentially said, determine your risks, risk rank your risks, and then attack those risks from a data analytics perspective. That's something that I think the DOJ has been saying to us for a long time, which is create a roadmap and follow that roadmap. And if a regulator comes knocking you in the form of the SEC or DOJ, hopefully you have an auditable trail as well. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, that is. You know, I think a lot of people would wonder, how are we supposed to do this don't get hung up on how is it supposed to look at the far end. Get hung up on how do we start? Well, you pick a particular risk that you can analyze, and then you start collecting the data and building what one speaker called a full ecosystem of data analytics and investigations and policy management and risk assessment. You cycle through again. If you can do that with just one thing and it makes sense, 
then you could at least show the Justice Department, we have an idea of how to do this. We don't necessarily have the resources to do it for all 200 risks that we have, but we've been able to do it for the first two or three big risks that we have. We'll get to the other 197 next year. Then you're at least going to be on the Justice Department's good graces. They're going to see that you're trying, that you have your head screwed on in the right direction. And that is much better than, like I said before, you know, doing policy management without data to support it, and you're just firing blind with policy updates. I do not think that's something the Justice Department would agree with. And then you can keep building these capabilities one risk at a time, one analytics technology platform at a time. There's nothing wrong with starting with Excel. It's terrible in all sorts of ways, but still, Excel is like, it's kind of good for most things most of the time. And if that's all you have, it's better than nothing. And, you know, the dirty secret is that Excel isn't, you know, it's not the worst. It kind of sort of can work a fair bit of time. And then when you've reached a certain critical mass, you can get to the much more sophisticated data management and data analytics platforms that are out there. But you can start small. You can start with small risks. It's about building the logical loop of how to use it and gaining expertise. That's what the Justice Department wants to see above all. So, Matt, the, uh, I think we've just given a primer on how to start your data analytics program. Oh, on that, on that note, can't wait to see what next week brings us. Thank you, Tom. Have a good day. This is Tom Fox again. I'm pleased to announce that Compliance Into the Weeds won a 2022 Communicators Award in two categories for the best co-host and for best business podcast. So thanks to all of our listeners who supported us for the Communicator Awards. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week where we take another deep dive into the compliance weeds. Finally, if you've thought about starting your own podcast, please contact me. I'd love to help you either uh, help you produce your podcast or put you on the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox. The award-winning Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.